Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. All right. Now we're connected. Amanda, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, cool. Well, hey, everybody. Look, this is episode 10 of Man Apart podcast. It's going to be titled Living with My Monster. So, Amanda, I'm going to do a little bit of an intro and get this podcast started off this episode so i came across amanda's story researching different uh, pedophile cases where uh where normal people would go and and seek justice or give justice to the victims especially in heinous crimes where the pedophiles got off lightly i came across james fairbank's story just on a random google search of that And what I found most interesting about that story was the fact that this was one of the first stories ever seen where the, the family of the victim, which was the pedophile that died, uh, was glad that he died. Right. I, I got, I saw in the articles, Amanda, that, uh, you know, you were, you were stated saying, uh, I'm glad that James Fairbanks killed my father. He was a monster. He abused me. And so, I wanted to dive into the aspects of what happened growing up with your father, who was, uh, I know his name is Mateo. What was his last name is Con, Con, Condalucci? Condalucci. Condalucci. Cond- yeah. Condalucci. Okay. Yeah. So is that like an Italian or a Spanish name? Italian. Italian. Okay. Well, I grew up in, I, I grew up with a, uh, with, with an Italian, uh, step family and everything like that. So I, I, I figured it was either going to be Italian or Spanish. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, let me just start off by asking, uh, when do you, uh, as far back as you remember, when did your father started abusing you? When did it start? I remember I was about six or seven years old in my first memory of it. Wow. What was the, yeah. Just so you know, all victims like me all feel the same. I'm just the only person who's come out and said it. 
just right. We they're just afraid. Right. I I had somebody. I had one of your friends tell me that it was uh he had fifty three victims that they know of, and five of these people, five of those victims committed suicide as either a direct result or an indirect result of the abuse your father gave to them. Um, that right there breaks my heart that, 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 that he affected so many people in such a horrible and you know, horrendous and just heinous way. Uh, and those are five lives that are no longer with us on this earth. And then the other lives there have to live with this trauma years, including, uh, that list. I mean, it, it, it just breaks my soul. I, I was just so mad and upset when I heard about the story itself. And then the sentencing that the judges that the judge gave James, which was even to me more heartbreaking. Um, the fact that, you know, they gave him 40 to 70 years and he was willing to take that, uh, that, that judgment. I mean, to me, it's just horrible in itself. I, I, I don't know what was going through, Judge Russell Bowie's mind, uh, Russell Bowie's mind, thinking that you know that was a good, just a lot of technical difficulties going on, y'all. But we're gonna try to make this work as best we can. So what I was saying was was that uh, you know like Judge Russell Bowie, given you know James Fairbanks forty to seventy years, and then Peter, uh, I mean Brenda uh, Beetle, the DA, was just happy to give this man that, and that that broke my heart as well because the only true justice that the victims got was the fact that James Fairbanks took it on his own to, to, uh, to take out Mateo like he did. Right. I, I, you know, it, it breaks my, my heart that our society doesn't really care about our children. Like they, like they used to, like I was telling you last night on the phone about Gary Ploche, you know, he, he ended, he ended his, uh, his son's abuser's life and, he was convicted, but the judge had the power to give him, give Gary a suspended sentence. And I felt like a conviction. Okay. Yeah. He took a man's life and, you know, James took a man's life and everything like that. Be convicted. But he was obviously somebody who worked with kids. He worked with abused children and everything like that. Knew the trauma that, that they go through. I mean, that you know, sometimes extenuating circumstances do happen and play, play an important effect on these, uh, on these type of situations. Cause not everything's all black and white. And I want to dig deep into what happened to you personally, because it's important that people ought to know before they make a snap judgment about James. While I don't condone vigilante justice at all, and we, none of us really do, I think what James did was give you guys, all you, you and all the other victims, uh, justice, because the justice system we were taught to believe in failed us. You know, it failed y'all. More, more importantly, I mean. He, he, I think what it was I read, he like raped and molested a, a, at least a couple of kids for sure and got only a few years in prison for it, you know, and got out on good time. I mean, it's yep. just it's, zero days for what he did to me and my brothers. And that's just crazy. Uh, it's mind boggling, to say the least. So when he started abusing you, uh, was there any like lead up to any of that? Like, was there any testing the boundaries that he did? No, he, I, I just, it, it started mildly. It just started with him just touching, um, touch himself. 
you know, yeah, made against me. And then as I got older, that's when things got more physical, more in depth, um, more violent and disgusting. Yeah. Um, I remember you telling me uh, a lot of it, it's very it twisted my stomach for sure. Just some of the stuff that he did at an early age. I remember one way that he used to manipulate you or try to manipulate you and everything like that. He would you would do something, get in trouble and he would give you a choice. You know, yeah. you either do this, or you do that. And I mean, just I'll, I'll let you in your words explain that that part. Um, yeah, just, you know, um, I didn't get home. I was home five minutes late from school. Um, he would punish me and he would give me my choices. And it was to either have my phone and, and my electronics, my game box is all taken from me, or I would have to do sexual favors. So obviously I, I chose having my, my electronics taken from me. And he would look at me and, and tell me, well, I decided for you, you don't get to make your decision now. So what was the option of you? Or what was, you know, why did you give me an option if I didn't get to fucking choose? It didn't make right. sense. It was, it was a way, basically, of letting me know what was going to happen regardless. And he yeah. was just hoping. I felt like it was just him testing to see if he was grooming me properly. And like I said to you, you know, when we briefly spoke, I'm... I, I couldn't be groomed the way the others. I, I, I don't think the way the others. I've always known it was wrong, but I've never had nobody to help me. There's plenty of people who say, oh, I tried to help her. They didn't try to help me. They went and told him what I said. That wasn't helping me. That made matters worse. He would take me in the bedroom after that, and, and he would smack me in the face. He would wind his fingers in my hair and swing me around my bedroom and let me go, and I would fly into a wall. And that, like, they didn't help me. That made matters worse for me. If you yeah. want to help somebody, you need to go to authorities. You don't go to the person that they're, they're, they're have, claiming these accusations against. They came to you for a reason. We came to you for a reason. You sealed yeah. my fate. And that's just, that's horrible. I mean, some people, I guess they think they have good intentions trying to, you know, before they go that route, because there are a flip side of that where, where people have been wrongfully accused and everything like that. But I mean, there should have been oh, some absolutely. sort of investigation done. You know, there's a, there should have been an investigation done at the very least. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, CPS or DC, or DCFS, or I mean, cops, anything could have been called and 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 done about it. And people, I guess, well, you are know, scared. There to was go one time CPS was called, but CPS didn't do much good either because they just made him go into the other room. And he was able to peek over the wall, and he would watch me, and he would make sure I answered her questions to his liking so it didn't matter cps was there they did try to help but if you don't take that person that monster out of the equation completely and put them in a whole separate building we're not going to talk we're too afraid yeah was there i hate to ask this question but was there any good memories you had growing up that was e e e with your father at all? There were very few seldom memories. Um, you know, 
we lived in Florida and California and we would go camping more to natural springs and, and go camping at the springs and stuff. And those were probably the only good memories I have because those were the only times he couldn't touch me. Yeah. Those were the only times I was free to be a child. Was there anybody, I, I know you had some friends that you said you grew, you had a friend that you grew up with. I saw your interview that you sent me last night too and everything. Was there any adults that, that, I mean, obviously no, nothing, nothing effective happened, but was there anybody that you could turn to when you yes, were a child growing up? The one up, friend right? that you're speaking about. Yeah. She, her parents, um, they tried to help me. They were the ones who called CPS. They were the ones who tried. They were the only adults that tried to help me. And it was sad because I think they knew what happened because there was one, she, my, my best friend, she was homeschooled. And um, she went online to do her schooling, and my dad had called me upstairs, and I went upstairs for a while, and then she heard the shower turn on, and then I didn't come out of the shower for about a half an hour. When I got out of the shower, my skin was bright red, and I had nailed marks down my body. I, I sat in a scalding hot shower, and I, I tried to peel my skin from my bones. And I'm pretty sure that's how they knew. I didn't tell nobody, but you know that that very next day CPS showed up. So yes, I know for a fact it was them, and and, and she and her family know that, and I thank them, and I still talk to her to this day. That's good. Wow. Like I said, this is, you know, coming from somebody who, who ne so I never had that type of abuse happen to me, right? I never, I never was sexually abused or, 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 or raped or anything like that by anybody in my life. And, you know, like I told you, and like I tell a lot of people, the reason why I do this is because these stories, they, they break my heart. They break my soul. I mean, I question my faith in God with a lot of these issues and I just, I just can't stand by and just not try to do something right and man it, you know so and much. i know I you mean, said you were very kind to me when we had our, our our initial phone call and you said you you wouldn't bring up um my medical issues and stuff and i'm i'm, I'm totally good with it because what people don't realize is this has caused um ptsd and i am actually on medication to control the nightmares because that is all I see when I close my eyes is him. About once it, it, a month, it, we have to up my nightmare dosage because the memories and, and the feelings are so strong that I've woke up in the middle of the night swinging at thin air, swinging at my husband. I've hit walls thinking my dad was right in front of me. It wow. it It really... It mentally messes with you. And, you know, you can you can heal, but there are certain things like the dreams that you cannot control. There's, there's no amount of medication to control those nightmares. God, oh, my God. I know it's... Oh, man. That, I, it, it hurts. I'm not going to lie. It's scary, and it hurts knowing yeah. how many people are going to hear this. 
But as scary as it is for me telling, it's going to be even scarier for others to hear because this is reality and they need to know that they do damages are caused from people like my dad i refuse to call him my father you will never hear me call him my father he is either my dad and i'm saying my dad because i'm being polite to you but the damage that causes is it's not fixable No, I mean, and that's a trauma that you're going to have to live with the rest of your life. And a lot of people live with, too. And I think what it is that people that like like myself that never went through these issues or traumas or or really knew a lot of people that went through it. um, They're they're oblivious. They're kind of blind to it. I mean, I was for a long time. I I didn't know the effect that it had on on victims as until I got older and really until I got I'm 35 now. So, I mean, until I got like to my late twenties and, and early thirties, I really started hearing more and more stories come up because victims, you know, wanted to, to, to share their stories, to help parents, uh, you know, save their kids. I mean, they're, you know, and it's so- really not that you guys are oblivious to it. It's a horrible act. It's such a horrible crime that we don't want to say nothing. We're embarrassed. We feel disgusting. We feel like it's our fault. We, even though it, we know, deep down inside it's not but you that's it's not something like i told you i'm i'm i've always been different about the situation i don't think you probably ever will find another person that's going to come out on social media or national news world news whatever you want to call it and say yes this monster did this to me because it's too embarrassing it's embarrassing another- to say, yes, my dad raped me. Yes, my dad tried to get me pregnant. There is no woman, man, or child who can say that. And I can only say that because of the pain it's caused me. The, the many near-death experiences. This was the only way that I'm still alive is by telling the world what happened to me because other people can't you guys need to know the signs if you don't know the signs you're not going to be able to help and if you can't help we're going to be another statistic a rape statistic a molested statistic it's not easy to talk about so don't don't take it don't blame yourselves just know the signs be aware You know, there's certain ways that we talk when we're asking for help. We don't come out and say, hey, my dad's molesting me. No, we try to say, hey, can can I stay with you? You're a grown ass adult, but can I stay with you? Yeah. Certain little things that make a person think, well, that's not normal. Think about that not normal comment that that child made. You know what I'm saying? People just need to think about them. We tell you just in our own ways. It, it, is there also like other, so other signs, so I definitely want to know about that so my listeners can know, and I can learn as well. Um, maybe signs of over-affection toward, a, toward an adult that they barely know or a stranger? Um, oh, yeah, over-affection. I was never allowed to spend the night at friends' house. My friends always had to come to my house, even at age 18. Um, 
because in um in our state you have to be uh, the legal age is 19 to move out so at 18 my dad still would not let me talk to guys unless he was right in front of me i wasn't allowed to date at 18 years old was the very first time i snuck out of my bedroom window oh wow most kids sneak out of their bedroom window by the time they're 15 16 yeah that's pretty normal especially here in louisiana and you're and and to let the the listeners know uh you're in nebraska right that's yes. where a lot of this that's where a lot of your 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 abuse took place at right no, 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 no. No. He, we moved around a lot. Um, he he was a snitch for the yeah. for the government, and um, so we moved at least once a year, once every two years. I've lived in. I was born in California. I've lived in okay. Jacksonville, Florida, Daytona, Orlando. I've lived in Denver, Colorado, Colorado Springs, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. It happened in every state. And when um all when I finally went to the police after I moved out of my dad's house, he told me that there was um what is that law where statute of limitations? That one. And that if I wanted anything done, I would have to go and file charges against him in every single state that he ever touched me in. Every state. Wow. That's half of U.S. <laughs> I yeah. would probably have been lucky to get one judge to look at it. There, so it there, was, there was done any good because who knows if I would have been able to get to that state. You know what I mean? Like right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, difficulties are for real. Oh my god, anchor y'all got to y'all got to tighten up. Um, but no. So we were talking about. Uh, you were saying that you were trying to get him, you know, like how impossible it'd be for you to get him convicted yeah. in all these states and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, so, no statute of limitations on how long you're allowed to be in fear of your life. I'm right. sorry. Uh, cannot put a time limit on fear. I mean, he is no. dead to the day and I'll be driving and I'll hear a motorcycle and I have to pull over in my head. He's still alive. I have to pull over and, and, and remind myself. He's dead. Honey, you cremated him yourself. I cremated him myself. I kind of know a little bit. That's another trigger. I hear a motorcycle. I instantly go panic attacks. So why? So so the listeners don't know, but because I but I do know on the back end. uh, Why do why would a motorcycle trigger you? Like I said, he used to be a snitch. Um, He was in motorcycle gangs. He. Infiltrated okay. them. Um, that's all I've ever known is biker world. Um, all the one percenters. That's all I've ever known. He tried to um, use me as a pawn when they when they um, when they found out that he was an agent, snitch, whatever you want to call him. Um, yeah. He would use me. He'd be like, "I'll let you have my daughter if if you just leave me alone. If you don't take my bike from me, please take my daughter." I mean, who the fuck says that? I was eight years old at that time, standing on the basement stairs. I wasn't supposed to be in the house. And I didn't understand why. And I snuck in because my brothers and I were outside playing. And I was thirsty. And so I snuck in the house and I got some water. And that's when I heard him literally crying like a bitch, saying, please don't take my bike. 
take my daughter, take my kids, not just me, but my other two brothers. You don't hear a lot about them because one of them will lie through his teeth and defend him. And, and the other one, you know, he's he's Switzerland, you know, he, he wants to be right. Switzerland. And I, I totally respect that. He doesn't want to deal with the memories and the pain. You know, he can't handle it. Like I said, I'm different. He can't right. handle it like I can. You know, in, yeah. in, in our own different ways, we are all fucked up in our own separate ways because of this man. Right. Uh, were both of you, I, I remember you, I think you're saying that you knew or, or were both of them abused by your father as well, like in, in the same way you My were? physically abused my brothers like he would beat the brakes off of them my oldest brother he he got to he got to live with my mom because in court he was old enough to say that he wanted to live with our mom I was two years old so I didn't get that option um so he didn't have to spend that time our dad but when he did come out and visit and stay with us my dad would beat the shit out of him or if my dad looked like he was so much as getting ready to lay a hand on me, he he would jump in the middle and he would take the beatings. And they were beatings for nothing, literally for nothing. Um, spilled some water on the kitchen floor and missed one little tiny drop, literally crying over spilt milk type of stuff. Um, I guess, yeah. you know, my mom, my mom would tell me stories that when I was just a baby, you know, my oldest brother he would jump in and take beatings from me. I mean, why I don't understand he would have to take beatings for, from uh, a toddler or a little girl. You know what I mean? It didn't make yeah. sense to me. Like this man was horrible. I mean, and as far as sexually abused, I don't believe he sexually abused my oldest brother at all. Because like I said, he wasn't, he wasn't in the, in the picture with us that much. Luckily. Right. Oh, um, but now my other brother, I, I is debatable. It's very debatable because I seen my dad go up and he would, he would try and grab at his crotch yeah. and my brother, he would pull away and my dad would make uh, comments to him like, what, I'm not allowed to touch you. My brother would be like, no. And then he would walk over toward me and he'd be like, oh, Mandel, let me touch her. Mandel, let me play with her boobs. And I would sit there and I would pull the covers over me and my brother would just stare at me, my other brother, you know, and he would just stare at me and he wouldn't do nothing. He would do shit. There was another time um, my hair got tangled up from swimming and I couldn't get the knots out. And I was facing the wall in the shower and the water was dripping down my face. So I had my mouth open. And because my mouth was open, my dad, he went, I don't know, he did something. And as his hand came up, he hit my front tooth, teeth. And he said that I bit him, which I never did. I had my mouth open and I was trying to breathe. He had my head in the fucking shower. So he grabbed my hair with his left hand and he just started punching me in the face with my right hand. He dragged me out of the shower, but I naked in the hotel room and threw me on the bed. And I looked over at my brother and he looked at me and he shook his head and he mouthed the words, I'm sorry, I can't. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he instilled a lot of fear in all three of you. 
and he used intimidation and violence to instill that fear. And as a child, you, you know, whether you're, you know, a young This was teenager, my brother. He's how, how old four, was your brother? He's five, he's five years older than me. I, I, I'm not making any excuses or anything. I'm, I'm just maybe giving a perspective from my end, just on the outside looking in you on that. Excuse I, that because to this day, he still defends that son of a bitch. I got you. I understand. You, by any chance, get to watch any of the news interviews? I didn't get to see all of them. Uh, I got, I got to see there him. He ball face lied about that that playground in the back. He said that it was brought over for his son. The yeah, owner I saw that in the news story. The owner of that home told me that had been there. That has been in my dad's yard since he had moved in there. Basically, you're basically saying that your dad actually put that in there and not your brother. No, 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 no. He was stating that the reason the playground equipment got put back there was for my brother's son. No, that's the equipment had already been there long before my brother and his son moved in. Oh, my God. Right. The owner told me this. The neighbors told me this. I spoke to one of the neighbors because she had incidences with him where she had to text him and tell him, stay the fuck away from my children. Do not talk to my children. Do not come near my children. They don't want to come over. They don't want to help you. They don't need any backpacks because he was an ordained minister and was doing all this stuff on the streets to help street kids and filling up backpacks with toys. Yeah, that's a great idea. Good God. So nobody thought that that was at all peculiar or suspicious that a pedophile is now a minister or preacher and is now handing out backpacks, backpacks full of toys that didn't strike anybody as abnormal. Did any of the people that that knew that he was a minister knew that he was a pedophile as well, though? I don't, you know, I can't honestly say 100%. But at the same time, you would think if you're hiring somebody to help you out in your church, you would do a fucking background check. That that I do agree with. I I, I don't see how they didn't do a background check. I think how long ago was now, that when he was doing that? Mr. He died. I mean, he ended up doing his wow. own. He branched off and started doing his own thing. But a lot of the people that knew him, that knew me, or they knew about these charges and stuff that he had against him, previous charges and in past sentencings and stuff. And and it was in their hand. He he changed. People like him don't change. Maybe very rare cases. No. But in my head, people yeah. like him don't change. Yeah, uh, offenders like sex offenders, uh, pedophiles. I've they've done a lot of intensive studies on it and everything. They barely any ever change away from their ways and everything like that. That's what makes this so dangerous. Is that it's not like somebody who committed a murder and twenty years later has lived a life of, of remorse and 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 soul searching and everything like that. <clears throat> this is somebody that, that targets children. And apparently, he still had a, an, an appetite for children and was and was figuring out new schemes and new ways to get children close to you him. Know, I mean, it's horrible. And, and I think that's when what, I went through his house after he died. After I st- I had to go in his house and clean his fucking house. Um, it um I found. 
pictures of boys and girls, elementary grade. I found, granted it was only one pair, but I found a pair of little girls' underwear, and I would guess them about the age of a seven-year-old by the size. You know, I've got two little girls. I've got an 11-year-old and a 10-year-old. So I, I yeah. know about uh, He had in his garage boxes of children's clothes, boys' and girls' clothes, that were used clothes. I don't, I'm not saying they're from a victim, but I mean, these are strange things to have in your house as a single man with, with a pedophilia record. He had, um, balloons, boxes of toys. He, uh, he didn't have any pictures of himself or any of his family. The only picture that man had hanging up was a picture of Jesus. And it's very odd because all my life growing up, him, our walls were filled with nothing but family photos. Yeah. Uh, um, just the things uh, I found women's clothes and heels and stuff in his home. He didn't have a girlfriend. Yes, he had a female roommate. But why would you keep that stuff? I had to go yeah. through all this stuff. I had to find women's dirty lingerie. I, uh, why do you keep this stuff? And why is it mixed with children's clothing? More than likely. Uh, I know. I don't probably. want to know that you're going to tell me anyway, but I'm ready. No, 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 no. I, I was going to agree with you. I think maybe the reason he had all that, I'm just speculating. Maybe it was trophies. And I, 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 I know it sounds know hard. That's but... crazy you said that because behind his television, I found a little wooden box with um, little girls' necklaces. They had little um, princess pendants on them, little girls like um, heart and star earrings. Oh behind his television. Uh, my best friend and I, we we went, I will not say where, but we went and, and we burnt the box and we buried the items inside that obviously wouldn't burn. And we right. buried them just in hopes of setting if they're still alive. You know, we don't know who they belong to, whatever. Just if there was any sort of attachments to them, we wanted to give them some sort of release or some sort of justice. Yeah. I kept his ashes in my dog food cabinet. Wow. Let me rephrase that. My husband did. I brought his ashes home and I I, I couldn't get out of the truck. I couldn't get out. I, I was mortified. So he grabbed the ashes he walked out of the house and grabbed the ashes. He walked in the house. By the time I got into the house, I didn't know where they were. And at the time, I didn't care. So finally, the next day, I asked him, by the way, what would you do with my dad's ashes? My aunt and my uncle want to come get them. They live in Colorado. Oh, I put them with the dog food. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the second happiest thing I had heard about my dad the first was when I got the phone call my brother um the one I don't like he called me yeah. the night he found out he was murdered he called me and he goes Amanda dad was murdered and I was at a loss for words and I kept trying to say wait what and he was like yeah but he didn't realize I I I, I wasn't I wasn't in shock because I was sad I was in shock because I had finally got my wish. 
Yeah. And then when I finally was able to put the pieces together and, 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 and actually comprehend what he said, I broke out hysterically laughing and I hung up the phone. Wow. I know that had to. I, I know, know there's going to be people who are probably thinking I'm a monster, but until you lived in my shoes, until you had your parent, your father rape you every other day just for shits and giggles, you don't get to judge me. You don't get to tell me how to feel. You have no right to tell me how to feel. I, I'll, I'll tell you. If it's your opinion that you don't agree that he should have been murdered fine that's your opinion i respect that but you will respect my opinion and you will respect my feelings and do not try to change how i feel i am human we were given feelings for a reason and they weren't to be changed amanda i can promise you this if anybody if i ever come across anybody that, that says that they think you're a monster and everything like that i promise you i'll let them know how i feel about them and it's not going to be good it, you know Basically, my mom said, if anybody that thinks you're a monster for feeling this way after the life that you had to endure, after the abuses you had to endure as a child and all the way into your late teens, uh, fuck them and feed them fish heads is how I feel. Hey, you know, uh, you yeah. know, I, I, I don't not not in any time of me talking to you, whether it was, you know, prior to this interview or during this interview, did I ever have a thought occur to me going, wow, this is just a monster for celebrating her dad's death? No. You're somebody who who went through a lifetime of pain. You went through a lifetime of torment and you finally got some justice where the justice system we were taught to believe in failed you. You, you know, James came in and gave you the justice that you wished for. I mean, you wished for this man to die because of what he did to you. I mean, he really I wished was, for was him to die because my justice system failed me and I knew that there were going to be other victims. That's why I wanted him to die. I didn't want it happening yeah. to me anymore. And I damn sure didn't want it happening to anybody else because you know what? I'll get older, but the victims continue to stay the same age. That's another thing yeah. people don't understand. Yes, we will get older as victims, but their new victims will always be the same age. They don't get older. And I, I really think that that's what James Fairbanks saw when he, when he, when he, when he was scoping out your dad's place and everything James like that. James Fairbanks and saw a monster washing a truck with no soap, no water, and a dry fucking towel, oogling a group of kids. That's yeah. what James Fairbanks saw. And On you know what? That, and I thought yeah. I'd seen that. And Lord knows what I would have done if I hadn't been me and had to live with him. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how much can people endure and have to tolerate and deal with before? Like I said, and I, I don't vigilantism. I don't. But you know what? If the justice system isn't going to do anything, people are unfortunately going to take matters into their own hands. They don't get the justice they deserve, so they're going to do it themselves, no matter the cost. I know. And I feel like this is the last. More people you know, who are going to jail are trying to protect somebody they love. I mean, people love kids. They love 
protecting children because that, that's what they want to do. I mean, that's what James wanted to do. And I mean, I feel like this podcast is kind of one of those last last ditch efforts too to to try to get a positive change going before people just have enough and get to that breaking point like like James did, like Gary Plo right, did. Right, and that's like just a lot it. Like did. everything is. It feels like you know now that everything has been out and said. I, there's like a large part of me that feels like James is isn't getting that 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 support and stuff anymore that he needs. I'm not seeing much of anything now. You know, everything goes on the news and then it's out just as quick as it went on. And this is this isn't right. This man is sitting and rotting in prison because he's tired of seeing kids being raped and molested. So you mean to tell me I can go to prison for 20 plus years for selling an eighth of weed? But it's okay to rape a seven-year-old kid and only have to do a year and a half? I, I don't understand. I don't understand that logic. And clearly, neither did James Fairbanks. And that man... I, as far as I know, he never touched a child in his whole damn life in any yeah. fum- or form of abuse. Hell, he sorry. Was a, any form uh, of yeah. abuse. I'm sorry. Right. No, that's okay. <laughs> My Look, heart and I, uh, soul is breaking for him. Yeah, just I, I mean, I was so angry when I when I read the article that the judge, uh, that this judge uh, Russell Bowie gave him forty to seventy years in prison, and he might get out in twenty if he's lucky. Um, that that pissed i mean so like in the south i, I had what they called a case of the red ass and i went on a tiktok rant about it i mean because basically you're gonna allow a pedophile in our society to go and rape kids and everything like that give them maybe a few years in prison and everything but you're gonna you're shove lucky. the long arm of the, you're gonna shove the long arm of the law of james fairbanks ass and make right. an example out of him what the fuck right. kind of message are you sending to people when you do that? You know, I mean, yeah. to Brent, to Brendel Beetle and, and Russell Bowie, I'm like, what, 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 what were y'all fucking smoking when y'all were on this trial? Because obviously, and how come you didn't, didn't share? Because none of us are on your train of thought. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Um, you know, no, and like, I, and, and that's why I brought up to you about my friend and her daughter's case. She was floored, and she called me. She said, "Amanda, I don't understand." They denied him, um, what was that that I told you? Confinement. Uh, solitary. She goes, Amanda, what is that? Yeah, yeah. What is solitary confinement? They denied it. Is that good for me or bad? I said, no, ma'am. That's fucking amazing for you. That means they're not going to put him in solitary, which is what it sounds like, confinement. Yeah. They want him to be with the rest of the population. They want him to become yeah. Lola the prison bitch. He, they are giving right, him his not- due. And 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 we're not talking about James Fairbanks. No, sir, not James Fairbanks. Yeah, we're talking about another. We're talking about a pedophile. Yeah, a whole other pedophile. Make the listeners clear on that. Yeah, yes, because we we know we know, but the listeners aren't don't know. Um, yeah. So your friend had a had a uh, had a case with had a case against a pedophile who you know molested and raped uh, her her child and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And the guy, you know, when the guy got convicted, he was trying to get a sweetheart deal and a condition to to be locked up in either ad ad or uh, or solitary confinement. And the judge, which I which hands off to that judge, uh, said, "No, you're going to go to Jim Pop." And when they find out what his charges are, right? Oh, they're going to have and then to top it off to sweeten that sentence. I think she said they gave him 44 years, 20 to 44 years, something like that. 
I don't think he'd make it. I don't. I, I really don't. Then lifers. <laughs> I'll be surprised if he makes out, it twenty days. Yeah. Sorry about that, because uh, those type of charges are uh, are, are in, with, with convicts. Th- that's a kill on sight order. Yes, like, sir. Like with any convict, especially if they have gangs in in the uh, prison and everything like that, that is a kill on sight automatic. They do order not right like baby auto- rapers at all. No. Now, when it comes to, I think, rapists and everything like that, um, I think that's what they call a smash on site order. It it's might a, be a kill on site order, depending I don't on the know. prison you go to. Yeah. I know that one's borderline, but it's a whole nother ball game when you're touching children. Yeah. Now, there's obvious, uh, there's there's other considerations they make as well. I've learned from other convicts. I mean, if, if it's like a 19-year-old boy and he had consensual sex with like a 17-year-old girl that was his girlfriend and everything, and he goes to jail for that. They don't really uh, they don't kill somebody over that. They kill people who hurt children who, who are who forcing forcibly yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, any any type of touching children at all. Like if there's a big, if there's an age, like a huge age gap, uh, and the older the age gap and everything, the more severe and the more traumatized. I mean, the more brutal they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna murder that pedophile in prison. I mean, I've heard of stories where they've drawn and quartered guys in, in prison of that i've heard of ones where they slowly tortured them with uh with like a baby like hot baby oil and honey and and hot water and scold their skin and and, and would literally slice their skin off I'm, i hate to be graphic like that but there are some severe stories yeah. like that and you know when i hear those stories and it's about a pedophile um i don't feel any any like my heart doesn't break for them at all well, I've um, seen it's basically they've good set fuck pedophiles on fire a lot I don't yeah. remember what show I was watching, um, but I they were talking about how this person was set on fire alive. And the crazy thing is, is the person that was investigating it, they laid down and they were able to trace exactly where that person was laying from his body burnt spot. Yeah. And it had been laying, that burnt mark had been there for 20 plus years. And they were still able to create trace where his burnt corpse had laid. There's so many stories like that in prison. And and then like over here, we got in Louisiana, we got a couple of major prisons like uh, uh, Angola is the most famous one. It's called the farm. You got DCI, which is Dixon Correctional. You got uh, you got Catahoula, which is kind of like close to like north. The northwest area of Louisiana. You got Elaine Hunt, which houses uh, men and women there. Yeah, um, and I had many theories on how we prison. could stop this, but nobody cares. You know, there's many, you know, in other countries, they actually, um, what is that word where they chop off the penis? Uh, castrate. Yes. They physically castrate them or there's one that they do where it's um, a medical castration where they. Sh- yes, yeah, a chemical. Yeah. Chemical castration. and everything. That yeah. one. Yes. Why can't we do stuff like this to repeat offenders? Or why uh, can't we just, you know, get um, an island like um, where the prison was and put all the pedophiles there and let them have at each other? Yeah. Um. So chemical castration, they they did do that in some states. I forget. I think Alabama might have been one of them. I could be wrong. So any of my listeners that are listening, I, I'm not even going to try to assume anymore uh, which states they were in. But I think what happened was they did away with chemical castration 
under the amendment for uh, uh, for cruel and unusual punishment. I, you know, and, and that floor that's me cruel and unusual because... punishment. But there's many people who've been thrown in prison for crimes they didn't commit. And they're no longer with us because they got uh, uh, um, falsely accused, falsely accused. And what is the death sentence? You know uh, what I'm saying? Death yeah. Death yeah. So we got innocent people who died over stuff that they didn't, but we can't get chem- chemical castration or s- something. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what, I don't know why the hell, what, what our lawmakers are thinking about that uh, or what their reasoning is for it and why anybody would support the, the, the removal. We can't of take your penis away, pen- but we can take your life. Yeah. Hmm. Think about that one. Oh, I, look, I'm all for death penalty on on uh, on the, on those type of people. Now, I, you know, being somebody that researches a lot of different things, I listen to different podcasts as well. And I, I listen from a cop's perspective about the death penalty cases. The reason why a lot of uh, judges and ADAs will not prosecute on the death penalty is because, for one, the amount of money that it costs, like here in Louisiana, whatever parish. Uh, does that trial right so i live in livingston parish if uh in livingston parish we have we have a famous pedophile case going on right now with a with an ex-cop named denny perkins okay if they if they, so if they try to give De- denny perkins the death penalty it, it's going to cost the court millions upon millions of dollars plus denny gets to go sit on uh death row for about 15 to 20 years because of the fact is the court of appeals process and all that Right. Whereas whereas they figured out it's cheaper to house them for the rest of their lives than it is to give them death penalty. And the last thing and, and when you do it, when you do a death penalty re, uh, appeal case or any kind of appeal case, I believe the victims have to be be brought right back to court, and have to retestify and go through all that trauma all over again each time. So that is what it's about like um, for, for felons? What about a three strikes, uh, three strikes law like they do with felons? I, you know, I, I, I totally I mean, there's agree. There's many only- things that they can do. They just don't. They don't care. Molestation because, because is people, not their priority. Murder it's is. Not. It, it, it's not. And I mean, the, the messed up problem is, too, is that not enough people are, are pressuring our, our lawmakers in, in our areas. Right. So, like, I have, you know, we have we, we have a, a, you know, like our uh, what you call we have, we have our legislators, our, our, our state representatives, our Congress people, our senators. Nobody's pressuring these guys around here to uh, to to implement and, and propose new bills and laws. And, you know, I, I agree with harsher sentencing, but I also agree on that. I want to add on to that as well. And I think I told you about that to hold the judges and the ADAs and DAs accountable that yes. are prosecuting these cases. That if they, you know, to hold them accountable, if they're not, uh, if they're not seeking out the max penalty, if they give sweetheart deals and conditions, and also uh, if they suspend a sentence, I think that I think that is malfeasance in office. I think that's dereliction of duty. I think they need to be removed from the bar if uh, if, if they want to do things like that for those type of heinous crimes and cases. At least let's start with pedophiles and work our way up to right. the other cases and everything as well. I mean, at, at the very least, protect our children. You know, if you're not going to protect the rest of society, at least protect the kids in, in the in the communities that you're serving, because that's what they're doing. They're elected to serve. And when they sit there and 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 try to try to get a plea deal going so they don't have to go take it to trial and, and get a and get a, a higher conviction rate. Really, what's their you, you find out what their motives are and you find out what they really care more about, which all they care about is that conviction rate. All they care about is getting the plea deal and, and, and not having to go to trial so they don't have to do the work. And that's that's shitty. That, that's fucked up. And that's, and that's very. Hard. That's why James Fairbanks is where he is. 
They wanted to hurry up and get his stuff out the way. Yeah. That poor and man the is next one. sitting there rotting. And, and, and I feel like nothing is, nobody's doing anything. Nobody is doing anything. I've had people tell me and, 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 and um, message me on, on all my social media sites. They want to do a story with me and James. They want to do a book with me and James. And we're like, yes, yes, okay. And then we hear nothing back. You know, people say, oh, we want to do this. But so far, as of yet, you're the first person that who has actually said, hey, I want to do this. And here I am on the phone with you. Yeah. On the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know hey, what I'm, I'm serious saying? About it. People, it's, it's like one of the, it's like a one hit wonder. It's in for a minute. And then, and once it gets over, this stuff is never over. No. That gets pushed I mean, back I, under the rug. And that's another problem is once the storm comes, it gets pushed under the rug. So now it's out of sight, out of mind, and people just forget. Yeah, I, Amanda, I, you know, your story is not one that I'm ever going to forget. Uh, I think this is going to be one of the stories that's going to be burned in my mind for the rest of my life. Just like, uh, just like, uh, just like Ezekiel Harry's and just like, um, you know, Mitchell Robinson III, those little babies that, that died because of, of, of stupid people's decisions and, and horrible things that happened to them. I mean, James, James Fairbanks, he's going to always be in my memory. The only thing I can, the only thing that can be done now to help James is to put pressure on the governor of Nebraska, yeah. which is Governor uh, Pete Ricketts right yeah. now. And I'm going yeah. I'm to I'm tell you his phone number. What I'm a tell fabulous governor number. he is if you can't hear yeah. sarcasm. Well, look, I, I, I want to encourage any listeners to call Pete Ricketts at his office and everything. Now, look, no death threats, no, 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 no violence. No vigilanteism. Yeah, none, none of that type of stuff at all. I don't condone nothing of that, none of that. And I want to be clear on this podcast. You do not threaten this man. You do not make no. any threats. You politely ask him, you know, sir, we need you to pardon uh, James Fairbanks. And his phone number to his office is 402 four seven one two two four four that's governor pete Rick ricketts of nebraska so just give just give him a call i'm, I'm gonna have the uh, number in in the uh in the episode uh, uh info as well so in case y'all you know want to get to it quicker after you listen to the story um but give him a call say hey look this is fucked up this is bullshit you need to pardon uh you know, James Fairbanks, he did the right thing for the, for the 53 victims that, you know, Matteo Condolci, uh, did. And he also, the 53 that from, you know of, those are yeah, just the ones you of. all know of. Yeah. That we know of. And the, any of the future victims that he was going to obviously, uh, you know, hurt and traumatize and everything like that. I mean, he was set up to do all that. It was, it was apparent, obvious there was progression. There was, you know, uh, motive. I mean, it's just clear and obvious as day. Now I want to kind of go back to, uh, early, earlier part of your life. Um, after you, so you were 19, mm -hmm. you moved out of your dad's house and everything. What was life like for you after you moved out of Mateo's house? Um, you know what I remember of it Yeah, was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. Um, was crazy. I was staying on friends' couches. Um, I um, 
Long story short, the only reason I was able to get out of my dad's house was I had gotten engaged. I was dating this guy, and um, he asked my dad permission to marry me. You know, he played along with the whole bullshit deal. He knew everything about him, and my dad was like, yeah, but I want, I can't remember, I think it was like two grand or something. He wanted a dowry from him. What? Yes, sir. So... This man knew the position that I was in, and I don't know if he did it to help me or if he actually really loved me and thought we would be together. But I knew either way, regardless of what it was, I knew it was my only out. And so this man sold almost everything he owned to get to my dad, to get him out of my life, and sent him to Wisconsin. And um, we ended up not making it, but um, we were together. And while he and I were still together, I had a phone call from one of my cousins saying, hey, man, your dad's moving back to Omaha. Excuse me? No, we paid him $2,000 to leave Omaha, Nebraska. And it wasn't for him to come fucking back. And so... um, And he and and I, so he ended up coming back, and my ex-fiance and I... um, ended up splitting up and after that life was just hard for the longest time um things didn't get good for me until I met my husband well I let me rephrase that I had knew my husband but things didn't get good for me until he and I actually officially got together back in 2010 October of 2010 and that's when things actually started getting good for me that's when I started learning about life friendships love trust all I ever known was walls that I built up distrust anger hate um I was in and out of jail minor things traffic stuff nothing major nothing you know all misdemeanor stuff um uh, I, I did um I was on meth for the longest time I just wanted, um, I wanted out of my own brain. I wanted out of my mind. I wanted, I wanted to not think no more. And one day I woke up and I saw myself, saw how horribly skinny and skeleton I looked. And then that was the last time I did it. And I mean, then I started alcohol, stripping, and you know, the train of effects that goes yeah. with trauma and stuff and like I said if it weren't for my husband and and our three babies um I don't know that I would be alive and if I was and if if I were alive and didn't have them I I don't think I would be who I am today I think I would be uh, another criminal or dead in a gutter yeah he's he's been my lifeline he's been my spine there's only you know, two other people who um, I'm not related to that I can say that about that have been my lifeline through every ounce of this since day one. Unfortunately, I can't say their names, but right, right. They I, know I think who it's they the are. They know who me. they I, are. Yeah, I think it's the one that messaged me last night too, if I'm not mistaken. Probably not. Um, oh, probably not. Okay. I probably not. Gotcha. But, these two you they will never they will never go out and speak um just out of respect for me they know that they have they know that there's nothing that they can say for me so you will nobody will ever hear from them 
And if if you hear them, it's because they're in the background holding my hand or keeping me strong. Right. And I love them so much. These three people, they have no idea how much they mean to me. So believe that if it weren't for them that I wouldn't be here right now. Well, I'm glad you're sorry. Able to find I'm that. sorry. I'm, no, no, no. It's fine. It's perfectly okay. People need to hear this. People need to understand what it's like and what the emotions you go through. You know, and it's not need because understand. those are the only three people that I trust. No. It's because those are the only three people who have accepted me for who I am. The crazy, the sad, the angry, the happy, the um, sad and angry and stabbing you in the face while telling you I love you at the same time. They are the only people who have accepted me fully and have been by my side. Everybody else has figured out, oh, my God, this woman is a nutcase and they abandoned me. These three people have made me the Wonder Woman that I am right now. Well, I, I owe I, a I, lot to them. I commend them for that. I commend them that they that they've given you that kind of friendship and helped build you up, and helped, you know, that y'all have a strong bond. I with commend each other. my husband. This man is he has seen me go through so much. He has felt so much of my pain. And any other person, as you can see, has left me. I am yeah. so thankful and grateful for him. He is. So patient and so strong. <laughs> he definitely sounds like hell of a man for sure. Uh, he definitely sounds like a, a damn good man. And I'm glad you found one that was able to help you. You got a partner that was able to love you. And I'm just glad I was able to and... find a man that I trust. I don't trust men. And I never will. I have plenty of male friends that I call brothers. That doesn't mean yeah. I trust them. And it's not their fault. No. But they know that and they accept that. And that's why they're my friends and they're in my life. They know that they didn't do nothing wrong and that I'm just a bit of a head case. When you go through trauma like that, I promise you, it is permanently mentally damaging. And it is permanent, yes. It's lifelong. I can't hear the sound of a shotgun being cocked without going into a panic attack. And you told me about, we talked about that briefly. You were telling me most people, they have that trigger from being sent overseas. I have that, that trigger due to the abuse I sustained. Yeah. You ever heard of anyone holding a gun to their own child's head just because you're trying to prove a fucking point that you're the boss? He would tell me, like, that he was God. He would tell me things like, I am God. Nobody can do this. Nobody can touch me. Nobody can harm me. I am God. And, like, that, that, I don't, that's why I don't believe in God anymore. That's why I chose to be agnostic. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. No, it's fine. Look, it's it, it it's completely okay. I know we you know we both went into this knowing that it was going to be a traumatic 
thing for you and everything like that. And people, like I said, people need to know these emotions and know what that not every story is going to be the same, which they're not. You know, every story is different. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are, there are worse cases than mine, but you probably never will hear of them because those people aren't strong enough. They can't mentally bear having to relive those moments by repeating them or having them repeated to them. Yeah. But I know, I do know wholeheartedly that my case is not the worst one, but I do know that my case and my situation was an absolutely disgusting, horrible thing that should have never happened. Your story, I mean, it's just stories like this is what makes me question my faith too. Because I, like I told you, I grew up in a very staunch, reserved Christian you know, Republican background. And we, you know, we believed like, you know, 4th of July, homemade apple pie, go USA. The, you know, it, the government's yeah. there, you know, the government's there for us type situations and God's blessing this country. Right. That's, that's the kind of background I come from. And so when I actually grew up and got out of that bubble and got into the real world, I got to see why so many people, you know, have lost their faith or don't have any faith in God. And it's because of stories. I never had faith in God and I lost faith in humanity by the time I was eight. I know that's. And that's what I guess fuels me. I think that's what's soul crushing for me. Is that I. I lost faith in mankind in general. And I was only a child. Yeah. That's not fair to any child. To lose faith at such a, an innocent age? No, that's not fair to anybody. Well, I know, um, I know you said you're agnostic and you don't, believe in God and everything like that. And that's fine. I'm not here to preach to you. I'm not here to convert you. I'm not here to do any of that. What I am going to tell you is this though, is that I truly feel in the bottom of my heart that when Mateo got killed by James, he walked through the gates of hell and the fires of hell burnt a little brighter when he walked through. I, I think you're that. right. If it's real, I think you're right. I think he and is I hope the devil has a special pineapple for him. I hope so too. I hope he has more than just that. I hope he he endures the most agonizing, traumatic damnation for the rest of his life, for the rest of eternity, because that's where he's at. Yes, me too. So I, I, Amanda, I, this has been an amazing story. I, I mean, not, not amazing in a good way, but just I know, I know what you very, mean. I, very eye opening. Um, for not only myself, but for the people who are going to be listening and, you know, I'm not going to fade off and, and, and go on to the next thing. I will be staying in contact with you. I don't know how often I'll be staying in contact with you, but you guarantee it's not going to be, you know, a couple of months going to go by. I'm going to call and check on you. I guarantee you're going to want to talk to me again. Oh yeah. Because I mean, it, it, you know, I want to be, I want to stay in contact with, with, with the victims. I want to stay in contact with people. I want to, you know, let you know 
this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And, you know, if, if I can get a big enough platform, we will do a call to action. We will get, you know, whoever the governor of Nebraska is. I got a friend of time. mine that I'm talking to now. Um, I, I spoke with her briefly last night, this morning, and it was like four o'clock this morning. And, and um, she, um, her sister was one of my dad's victims. And I'm hoping that maybe um, she'll talk to you. That's probably the okay. one that you were talking about earlier who may have already okay. contacted you, possibly. But it's crazy. Okay. That I know people whose whose siblings were victims of my dad that I didn't even know they were victims of my dad until this case came about. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, well, I definitely want to share your story, and I want, and I'm glad you came on here and and talk, told what was going on. Um, you know, it's just. No, and, and I hope that if there's any victims or parents out there who have children that are victims, I want you guys to all know that you can message me. You can get a hold of me any way you need to. If you have any questions or you you need advice, I'm I'm here. This is why I'm telling my story. And if you can't figure out how to get a hold of me, I'm pretty sure Jeremy can make that happen. Yeah. I will. So uh, I want I, them yeah. to know that I, not just you are here, but I am too. I want to be able to help people who are in my position because I can speak and I can relate <laughs> more than one level. I can relate. Well, I'll definitely. Um, so I'm. I'm, I'm gonna. When we get done and everything like that, I'm gonna post for y'all that want to be able to reach out to Amanda. Her name's Amanda Henry. I'm going to, I have a Facebook group called a man apart podcast. Uh, I'll have her tagged in there as well on, on the post. So if you want to reach out to her, you can, you can reach out to me. I'm, my name is Jeremy Bigner. I'm, I'm on there. It's not hard to find me at all. Um, easiest way is to just go ahead and leave a comment saying, Hey, I need to talk to you. And then we can start messaging each other. Cause if you message me directly without being a friend, it'll go to spam or message requests and I might not get it. So I, I definitely want, you know, people to reach out to me and, and feel like they're being heard and acknowledged. The biggest thing that uh, a friend of mine who was a victim of rape told me was that a lot, the main consensus, consistent thing that they, that she hears in those groups those support groups is that a lot of people feel that normal people, and I say normal as in like people that have not gone through these traumatic experiences that they feel like they don't care about them. And I can tell you, at least from my end and my perspective and my wife's perspective that, uh, that's far from the truth. We care about y'all. We want y'all to know that we, we want to do whatever we can, our power to help y'all. And if, even if that's just a phone conversation or, or just, a, you know, just a, you know, a shoulder to cry on, you know, it doesn't have to be on this platform. It doesn't have to, you don't have to come and, and, and you know, I'm not forcing anybody to come on here and share. It could be a one-on-one -on -one personal session. Yeah. And that's just how it's going to be. For me, I mean, I'm, I, you know, if, if, and if there's anybody out there that wants to share their story, but don't want to share their identity, I, I'm also, you know, I will conceal your identity as well. You don't, you don't even have to talk. If you just want to write your story out and just tell me, Hey, this is what I want you to read out and everything like that. And, and I'll talk to you on the phone, get some research stuff and everything. And I'll, I'll make an episode of it. I will. I have no and problem. If with you're that. like me and you're too afraid to do that because it's a male, you can send the letter to me and, and I'll read it for him. Yeah. A lot of women, we'll we like can't that. connect with men and we don't like talking to men. So I can help out too. 
anything to help victims, anything to help James Fairbanks, and anything to make sure that Jeremy is is being heard because he's hearing us and he needs to be heard. I appreciate that, Amanda. I appreciate you, Jeremy, a lot. Thank you. I got a lot. I got a lot of love in my heart for y'all and uh, all the victims. Thank and you. You're welcome. I'm not gonna. I can't stop and I can't fail this. I know that for sure. I'm gonna keep I think going. There'll be plenty of us to help push you to succeed. Y'all do. Uh, it's like I told you earlier. I only sleep about maybe five hours a day. Um, it's because I work a regular job. It's because I have a business with my wife. It's because I do this podcast and the research. And on top of it, there's just some days I just don't sleep well. Yeah. Um, I've had, you know, I've, like I told you, I've had some, like I explained it in an episode uh, called A Man Named Jojo. I've had, because doing starting this, I had repressed memories coming out from the physical, you know, physical abuse I suffered as a kid. It was, it was very mild compared to a lot of other people's stories. Um, but it was short term and it, but it had me scared because he was progressing and had my mama chose to stay with this guy. I don't know what would have happened to me. So I, I, you know, I, I, I can't say I know exactly what y'all go through, but I have a, a, a slight inkling. And when you have compassion and empathy for people, you know, you, you, you you do what you can to help them. And I just got tired of sitting on these sidelines and seeing y'all just break. And it just breaks my fucking heart. And um, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to cry. No. But um, but it's hard. It really I, is. I, I, I get so fucking mad that they, that y'all don't get any help. Y'all don't get any real justice. And I'm tired of it. I'm fucking sick of it. And I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to scream the loudest. I'm going to bang my fucking war drum and I'm going to make people remember your names. I'm going to make them see your faces. I'm going to make them make a change and actually give a shit and care because they need to. And, and this has got to fucking stop. We've got to end pedophilia. We've got to end this child abuse. We've got to end this rape. I mean, we've got to do better as a society. You know, We have to do better as parents. That too. And I, and I want to bring kids into this world and I want to make sure that the kids I bring into this world or the kids I choose to adopt one day are going to be safe from all this. Cause I'll be damned if I let anybody touch, you know, any of my children, whether they're my blood or, 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 or they're through adoption, I, I will, I will, you know, I will go to jail. I'll go to Angola for, for my kids. I'll go to Angola for anybody's kids. Cause I just, I, th- they have my heart, you know, they're innocent. And to hear these stories and to see what y'all had to go through it, I don't want another child to go through that. I don't want anybody to go through what you're feeling because I know it's horrible. I know it's, you know, it's, it's nothing that we can change now except to move forward and and to, and to just, and to just fight these assholes. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to use our voices and fight and I'm going to do my damnness to help. But Amanda, I want to know, I just want you to know that I uh, I love you and, and that I appreciate you coming on on here telling your story and that I got your back and I'm glad you got mine and we're going to help change the world. You know, we're, 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 you know, I feel like I'm going to be the spark that flames the revolution or I'm going to try. I hope so. And I got your back too. They're going to have to call me Sparky McGee or something like that. Cause I'm sparking (laughs) up around here. There we go. I'm going to, I'm going to end this episode out and thank you. 
so Thank much. You. For everybody that's still listening, I'm gonna end the I'm gonna end this segment and I'm gonna do my announcements. And shortly it, it, it should be published by the time you're hearing us. So all right, Amanda, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody. So I know it's gonna be a little bit loud and you're gonna hear a lot of outside noise, and I'm sorry for that. I just had to come back into the house and uh, take a shower because I, when I do my recordings, I sit in my car with the, with the air off so that way you don't hear that background noise. Kind of like how you're probably hearing a uh, window unit running right now in my backyard. So uh, that's why uh, you hear some noise and everything like that. I sat in that car for over an hour and a half sweating. And my God. But this story was important and it needed to be told, and I'm glad that I had Amanda on there to tell. So I have some announcements to make. Um, still working on getting on Apple Podcasts. I don't know what's going on with Google Podcasts because they got my first seven episodes in there, but I don't see any other future episodes coming along. I don't know if it takes a while to process it or not. So I'm going to wait about another couple of days to a week and see what happens, and then I'll go look into that. So for my Google Podcast people, I appreciate it. Uh, y'all, the support I'm getting on Spotify and from the people on Facebook and my TikToks. I love you to death with all my heart. Thank y'all for helping me grow my platform, even though it's still small. It's baby step victories I'm taking and I'm, I'm enjoying the process as I go along and I'm living and learning. So we had a little few de- technical difficulties this morning starting out. I got with Anchor. I found out how to get, to, get, get Amanda on to do the interview. And so now I know how to do it for the future process. So hopefully when I say, hey, I'm going to drop something at this certain time, it's going to be dropped at that certain time. Uh, That's why you have a delay. I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you coming to this spot and uh, to the announcements and listening. Oh, uh, so I'm able to monetize my uh, account and put ads in my podcast and everything like that. I don't know where they're putting them or placing them. So just... I, there's some control I have, and I'm still learning the kinks and working out all that all that jazz. So, if you're hearing uh, any kind of announcements or, or any kind of host read announcements that I'm doing, like um, you know, hey, check out Anchor, check out you know the Anchor app by Spotify. That's a, a, a commercial I recorded. Sorry for all the speaking things. I'm kind of talking on the fly here. Uh, anyway, so there's that. I mean, I'm just kind of almost shaking anxious because of this interview that I just did with this lady and the fact that a lot of you want to help see James be free uh, because you agree that what he did was the right thing to do and according to the law it wasn't while I don't condone vigilante justice I think that James did give justice in his own way to those 53 victims the five who committed suicide and the rest who are still living with the trauma. That's the ones that we all know of, like we said multiple times in the, in the podcast. So I put out the number for James to call, so for y'all to call the, uh, the governor, and I'm about to tell it to you right now. It's going to be for the governor of Nebraska, Pete Ricketts. It's 402-471-2244. Again, 402 402- 471-2244. That's Pete Ricketts, the governor of Nebraska. He is the only one now who has the power, besides the president, to pardon James Fairbanks. To give him a full pardon to see him free. 
y'all, we have got to get together. We have got to rally. We've got to put pressure on the governor's office and good pressure. I don't want, and like I said in the interview, I don't want anybody making any kind of threats against the governor, his family, anybody at the offices, anything like that whatsoever. No threats of violence. No death threats whatsoever. They will not be tolerated. I will disown you for, for making such threats. I will not condone that. That is not how we're going to make an effective change for, uh, a change for James here, okay? You, but you have got to melt the phone lines. You have got to call and bug him and, and just nag on him until he, he'll, until he has to respond. All right? We have got to shut their phone lines down to where they have got to hear our, uh, hear our pleas and hear our prayers. Because we need James Fairbanks released. The public needs him released. Obviously what he did was wrong. I don't condone what he did to a, to a sense and degree. But I will say that he felt what was best in his heart since the justice system failed. Now after we free James Fairbanks, after we get him freed, or while we're getting him freed, we need to put pressure on the lawmakers to make these judges and, a and ADAs accountable for giving suspended sentences and sweetheart deals and conditions to these pedophiles that's the kind of change we can make effectively and you can do this at your own county uh county council meetings or if you're in louisiana like i am the parish council meetings you can go and talk to your da's go and talk to your judges go to your courthouse make noise make a change make a positive and effective change as best you can because we're not allowing them to get away with this shit. this is dereliction of duty when they release these pedophiles back into our neighborhoods and societies. Okay? This is putting children's in our children in harm's way. I in no way condone that. Guys, thank you so much. Appreciate listening to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you're getting informed on what to do in these situations. I have more interviews lined up. I have more stories lined up. We're going to grow this out. I promise you. But be safe. Keep your kids safe. And remember, be blessed and be loved. Love you all.